G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Noah went 120 years and never had a single convert. So you think your evangelism isn't going well? As an evangelist himself, Pastor Greg Laurie points out that our job is to deliver the message, regardless of the response. Understand, my job is not to convert people. I've never converted anyone, nor can you. Your job, my job, our job is to preach the gospel. So do what you can while you can. This is the day when the lost are found. This is the day for a new beginning. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. Again, you hear all the angels are singing. This is the day, the day when life begins. When we plant seeds in the ground and then water them like we should, our job's done. We can't make them grow. Likewise, when it comes to evangelism, we're messengers, we're seed planters, and we have to leave the rest to God. Today on A New Beginning, Pastor Greg Laurie brings us some practical insights in that regard from our study in the life of Noah. It's part of his new series called World Changes. Good opportunity to take some notes today. look at a time historically now where the world was very dark. In fact, it's the darkest the world has ever been, yet not as dark as it still will be. And in the midst of this very dark backdrop shined a very bright light, a true world changer. And his name was Noah. Go to Genesis 6. Let's read about it. Starting in verse 5. It was so bad that God saw the wickedness of man that was great on the earth. God saw that every intent of the thoughts of man's heart was only evil continually and the Lord was sorry he made man on the earth and he was grieved in his heart. And the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I've created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creeping thing and birds of the air, for I'm sorry I made them. And of course judgment was about to come. But here's this man, Noah living in a godly life in an ungodly place, shining as a bright light in the darkest circumstances imaginable. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Genesis 6, 8 says that. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Does this mean that God had grace on Noah because he lived a righteous life? No, the very opposite. Noah lived a righteous life because God had grace on him. (laughs) What is grace? It's been defined as God's unmerited favor Because he found grace or grace found him, Noah lived a righteous life. Listen to this. God does not love us for what we have done or haven't done. Nor does God love us for what we are or are not. God loves us and extends grace toward us because he chooses to. Just because he loves you. And so he extended his grace to Noah. Noah responded appropriately to that grace and was a world changer. And he obeyed God and honored the Lord. 
Verse nine says, Noah walked with God. Like his great grandfather Enoch, Noah responded to God's grace and walked with him. By the way, it's only said of two people in the Bible that they walked with God. Not that others didn't. But it specifically said of two people they walked with God. One is Noah, the other is who? Enoch. We talked about him. He too was a world changer. Remember we gave a key as to what it means to walk with God. Amos 3.3 says, can two walk together unless they be agreed? And the idea conveyed there is unless they're in harmony, moving together to walk with God means I get in step with God. It means I can form my will toward God's will. It means that I honor Him. But here is Noah who walked with God when no one else did. Do you ever feel like you're the only person walking with the Lord? That's one of the reasons I love our crusades. Because thousands of Christians gather together and worship God. And you remember, hey, I'm not the only one. Because sometimes we feel like a minority and that's because in many ways we are. But I love it that we can all come together and honor the Lord. And uh, I've, some critics have said of Crusades, well, you know, they're attended primarily by Christians. Yeah, so? What's wrong with that? Is it a bad thing for thousands of Christians to get together and pray and worship God? Hey, I think it's a wonderful thing. And you know what? A lot of those Christians bring non-believers with them and those non-believers respond as we've seen over the years because it's a powerful thing when a non-Christian walks into a stadium full of 38,000 people or more praising Jesus. They say, wow. You know? It's a great moment. And boy, it really kind of softens their heart up for when we bring the gospel message to them. But yeah, sometimes you might feel as though you are the only one. You know Elijah felt that way. He was called by God to go face off with the prophets of Baal up there in Mount Carmel. So they all got together at the Carmel Corral, if you will. Remember the OK Corral? <laughs> this was the shootout at the Carmel Corral. It was better than the thriller in Manila or the rumble in the jungle. This was the battle of the gods. And guess who won? The Lord who answered by fire. And the fire came down on the sacrifice in response to the prayer of the prophet Elijah. And the prophets of Baal were killed. And Queen Jezebel, who was underwriting the prophets of Baal, was really ticked off. She was royally ticked off. She was a queen. You can get royally ticked off when you're a queen. And she put a contract out on Elijah. She said, you're dead, man. I'm gonna find you and I'm gonna kill you. So he was really upset. And he ran away and he was hiding. And he actually prayed this prayer. Lord, enough already. Take my life now. And he fell asleep. And then an angel of the Lord appeared to him. And I love what the angel said. Angel wakes him up and says, hey, Elijah, have something to eat. That's so practical. You know, buddy, you just need some food, okay? It's sort of like me. When I don't eat, I get cranky. Is there anybody else that gets cranky when they don't eat? I mean, my wife knows, you're hungry, aren't you? How do you know? Because <laughs> you're just cranky when you don't need to be. I'm not cranky. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> She'll throw a sandwich at me. I'll be much better. Then I'll be sleepy. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Pretty predictable. You know, when you have a little child that can't speak yet and they're crying a lot, there's usually three reasons, okay? Number one, they need their diaper changed. Number two, they're hungry. Number three, they need a nap. You know, 
change their diaper, give them a nap, give them something to eat, not while they're sleeping, wait till they wake up, <laughs> or before, they'll be much happier. We're not that much different. I don't know about needing your diaper change, but um, <laughs> just practical. Hey man, take a nap and eat something. Now snap out of it, Elijah, the Lord says. I have plenty who have not bowed their knee to Baal. You're not the only one. So Elijah understood that he was not alone in all of this. You're listening to A New Beginning with Pastor Greg Laurie from Harvest Ministries in California, USA. And today we're learning lessons from the life of Noah as part of Pastor Greg's series, World Changes. Let's continue. Here's another thing about Noah. He was a witness for God. You say, well, wait, I don't read about that here in Genesis or Hebrews. No, that's found over in 2 Peter 2. It says Noah was a preacher of righteousness. But listen to this. Noah went 120 years and never had a single convert. So you think your evangelism isn't going well? 120 years and did not have one single convert. But listen, understand your job, my job, our job is to preach the gospel. My job is not to convert people. I've never converted anyone, nor can you. That's the work of the Spirit. Sometimes my job is just to sow the seed. Other times my job is to water a seed someone else has sown. Occasionally I have the privilege of reaping where others have watered and sown. But the bottom line is I'm called to be faithful. So be faithful with what the Lord has set before you. God isn't going to hold you accountable for what He's called me to do. He isn't going to hold me accountable for what He's called you to do. He's going to hold you accountable for what He's called you to do. So do what you can while you can. But having said that, though Noah never really reached anybody out there, even though he was a preacher of righteousness, he did reach his own family. Back to Hebrews 11. Verse seven again. By faith Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen moved with godly fear and he prepared an ark, listen, for the saving of his household. Maybe he didn't reach thousands. He didn't reach hundreds. He didn't reach tens. But he reached his family and they believed and helped him build that crazy ark. Because they knew that dad loved God. They knew that Noah was a man of integrity. Listen to this parents. God has given to you the responsibility to raise your children in the way of the Lord. Do not fail in this mission. Don't tell me you're so busy you don't have time to read the Bible to your kids before they go to sleep at night. Don't tell me you don't have time to take your children to church, not send them to church. You make time for what matters. Because time passes quickly and soon they'll be older. It's not the job of the church to raise your children in the way of the Lord. Listen, we're here for you. We're here to reinforce what you do. Right now, you that have kids, uh, they're being cared for uh, by the volunteers here at the church that help out and minister to those little ones. And it's our privilege to do this for you. But let me say this. We don't want to do it instead of you. We want to do it along with you. We're just reinforcing what hopefully you're already doing by first modeling it in your home and then, of course, teaching it in your home. When should you teach your children? Moses said that you must commit yourself wholeheartedly to the commandments of God and repeat them again and again to your children. Talk about them when you're at home. 
Talk about them when you're away on a journey. Talk about them when you're lying down and when you're getting up again. And it's such a joy when the kids get it, isn't it? You know, I look at my son Jonathan. He was a prodigal son like his older brother Christopher. And Jonathan recommitted his life to the Lord after God called his brother home to heaven. And it was a statement that Christopher made to Jonathan that really shook his life prior to Christopher dying. He said to his brother, what's it gonna take for you to commit your life to Jesus Christ? And after Christopher uh, went to heaven, Jonathan recommitted his life to Christ. And now my son Jonathan is a pastor here at Harvest actually teaching and preaching the gospel. Isn't that great? We have amazing discussions, you know. Watching the Lord work in his life. Watching him grow spiritually. Then he's doing it for his children. He was getting his daughter Allie already, my granddaughter, ready for school. It's her first day at school a few days ago. She's in kindergarten. So Jonathan's kind of preparing Allie, sweet little girl. Whenever I ask my granddaughters to pray, Allie always volunteers first before all the others. She loves the Lord and so he says, now Allie, not everybody in school where you're gonna be going believes in Jesus, okay? So understand that they don't all love Jesus like you do, so you know, we just pray that God will help you find friends, and she's listening, and then she said, okay, so he prayed for her, and then, then she added this little PS to the prayer. She said, Lord, help me find some new friends, and if they don't know about Jesus, help me to tell them about Jesus. I thought, right on. Yeah. That's good parenting. Maybe good grandparenting too, you know. <laughs> One last thing I'll say about Noah and we'll close. It's about this ark. The door was open to the ark. Genesis 7 1 says, The Lord said to Noah, Come into the ark, you and all your household, because I have seen that you are righteous before me in this generation. The door of the ark stood open. Anyone could have gone into the ark. Noah wasn't killing them gladiator style. <laughs> they just didn't want to go in. And notice that the Lord said, come into the ark. Not go into the ark, come in. Implying that he's there. If I'm in my house, I say, come in. God says, here I am in the ark, come in here. And in the same way, Jesus Christ says, come unto me, all of you that are laboring and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. A lot of times people don't have time for God till crisis hits. Remember the aftermath of 9-11? Remember how churches were filled to overflowing? Everybody wanted a spiritual perspective on what just happened in our country. All of those people killed. There were prayer vigils on street corners. Remember those? Remember when Congress spontaneously broke into God bless America on the Capitol steps. It was almost like a revival was beginning and then it ended as quickly as it started. People were back to their normal busyness and that happens in our life. There might be a crisis and we call out to God and He's so gracious He hears us. How easily He could say, forget about you, man. You didn't call out to me any other time. I don't have time for you. You didn't have time for me. I'm too busy for you. Now some of God says, he says, call upon me and I will answer you, says the Lord. He's waiting for us to call on him and maybe something has happened in your life that's got you thinking about the brevity of life, 
It's got you thinking about the afterlife. It's got you thinking about the meaning of your life. Well, you've come to the right place because Jesus says, come to me. He'll give you the answers you're looking for. He can give you the hope that you'll go to heaven when you die. He will forgive you of all of your sin, but you must come into the ark. The door was open. Jesus said, I am the door. If anyone enters in by me, he will be saved. He's the door. Walk in the door. You want to go in? Walk in. Those people didn't want to go in. And then when the rain began to fall, the door was shut and it was too late. Listen, there's going to come a moment when the door is shut. There's going to come a moment in everyone's life when it's too late. Now I don't know if we are the generation that will see the return of Jesus. I'll talk about that next time. I think we could be. Because Jesus said, as it was in the days of Noah, so also will it be before the Son of Man returns again. We could be that generation. But even if He doesn't come in our lifetime, I know one thing, the end of everyone's world is going to come. The end of your world and the end of mine. And then there's the next world. Then there's the afterlife. And my question to you is, are you ready for the afterlife? And do you have the hope of heaven? Because if you don't have it, I want you to have it before you leave. And we're going to close in prayer. And I'm going to extend an invitation for anybody here that wants to be forgiven of all of their sin. Anybody here that wants to be sure they'll go to heaven when they die. Anybody that wants to be ready for the Lord's return. You can come in. Just as the people could have gone into the ark, you can come to Jesus and find forgiveness and rest. So respond if you need to. Let's all bow our heads. Father, thank you for your word to us. Now I pray for any that are here or listening that don't know you yet. Help them to see their need for Jesus and help them to come to you now, we pray. Amen. Pastor Greg Laurie with an important word of prayer from today's study. And if you'd like to make a change in your relationship with the Lord, now's a great time. Pastor Greg would love to help you right now. If you would like to accept Jesus Christ into your life right now, and by that I mean if you would like your sin forgiven and have the assurance that you will go to heaven when you die, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, but I thank you for dying on the cross for my sin and rising again from the dead. I'm sorry for my sin, Lord, and I turn from it now, and I put my faith in you to be my Savior, my Lord, my God, and my friend. Thank you for loving me and calling me and accepting me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Listen, if you just prayed that prayer in a minute, I want you to know on the authority of God's word that Jesus Christ has just come to take residence in your heart. The Bible says these things we write to you that believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Thanks, Pastor Greg. And if you've prayed that prayer and you've asked Jesus to be your Savior, we'd love to help you to get started by sending you something called our new Believer's Growth Packet. We'll send it out to you free of any charge or obligation, knowing that it'll answer some of the questions you might have and help you build a solid foundation for your faith. Just ask for the new Believer's Growth Packet when you contact us on one 800 50 
Well, tomorrow, some more insight from Pastor Greg's series called World Changes. Some good encouragement on being a godly example for our families. That's tomorrow, same time, on A New Beginning. of today's full message get in touch with vision christian store it was called the world changer at the end of the world just go to visionstore.org.au or call 1-800-005011 thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from vision christian media to find out more about us go to vision.org.au